Hello, everyone, and welcome to 180 Mentoring. My name is Terry Krebs, and I'm the host of 180 Mentoring, where I'll be discussing information you can use in day-to-day leadership situations. I'll provide you information in a way that you'll be able to listen to it, use it, and apply it so you can move on to your next leadership success. All leadership examples and solutions are based upon actual events and situations that I've encountered in my 30 years of leading and mentoring. You can find me at 180mentoring.com and 180mentoring at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'm looking forward to today's podcast. Do you need to inspire the people that work with you or work around you? I get asked this question all the time, or I'm asked to give examples how someone can go about being a better or more inspiring leader. The first thing I ask people, is what does that mean to you? You have to remember that inspiration and leading and management, those are all terms that are not very concrete and they mean something different to most people. You can ask 10 people for their definition of leadership and they're going to give you most likely nine or 10 different answers when you drill it down to the specifics. So how do you do that? How do you inspire folks? Or do you need to? Lots of people will not agree on whether a leader needs to be inspiring. This normally happens when people have some written definition of what inspiring means. For me, being an inspirational leader means that I want or have a need to try to do things to support the team and support the leader. If you inspire me to do good work, then I'm going to feel inspired and do the best that I can to produce at the highest level and at my best effort. One of my previous podcasts I talk about, one of the things that really frustrates me is when I hear someone like, hey, I need you to work at 110%. Well, the reality is like nobody works at 110%. You can work at 100% of your potential if you have drive and motivation and inspiration, but nobody works at 110%. The only thing that works at 110% sometimes are motors because they're designed to work at 100%, but they have just a little bit more leeway where you can push them past their maximum capability because they're a machine, not because they're a human. Don't ever say, I want you to work at 110%. That is not inspiring. So if you want to inspire people, what are some things you can do? One of them is listening or as old school leaders call it, Keep your mouth shut. It's okay not to be talking all the time. Now, again, when you're a leader in a formal situation, formal leadership role, or heck, even an informal leader, some of these things will apply. Some of these things will not apply. There are people that are better listeners. There are some people that are not very good listeners. You have to figure out where you're at and how to focus yourself so that you can either, one, become a better listener, or two, 
maybe interact a little bit more and listen a little less. Everything is flexible and you have to adapt it to whatever you need. But one thing that people do need to be inspired is listen to them. Listen to their ideas, listening to what they have to say, listening to what ideas they're bringing to the table and how they may support the team and make things better. Remember back when you, I'll remember back when I was moving up and becoming more experienced. I had all these great ideas. Some of them weren't so great. A couple of them were pretty good. And I had a supervisor who would listen to all the ideas and taught me how to filter out the ideas that weren't so good and how I could go about doing that for all my other ideas. So that was a skill that I learned because he was a very good listener and he found the time to listen to me. If you're a good listener as a leader, you are going to develop an environment where people are going to feel comfortable in providing critical feedback to other members of the team and to you as a leader about how things can be done better. Now, critical feedback is not a bad thing. Critical feedback is supposed to be professional, constructive. It's not talking bad about someone. It's not. You as a leader have to be able to listen to someone so they can provide you critical feedback because when someone provides you critical feedback and they do it professionally, they're only trying to help you and trying to help the team. And most of the time, these are small little things that when resolved quickly, they will not flourish into something that you can't take care of down the road. Second thing you can do, be engaged with the team. And again, this means something different to everyone. Some people need more engagement than others. You have to understand your team and understand their needs as individuals, as the individual members of the team about what they need from you. Some people need daily engagement. Some people need less. Some people just need to be checked in at the end of the week. Some people need to be checked in the beginning of the week. It's, it's different for everybody else. When I was actively managing small to medium-sized teams, I just learned over time about when I needed to talk to someone and when I just needed to make sure I had the door open so they could come talk to me. But I always made sure that everyone knew that even though that they were responsible for what they were working on, that ultimately I was the one that's accountable. And on occasion, I may come down and just ask for a status update. But again, they understood that that was me just wanting to come down and listen to them explain to me about what's going well, what's not going so well, what can we do better, and where can I, as the formal leader, engage so that I can help get things done. Another thing you can do, make sure that you have accountability. If you don't have accountability or you don't create an environment where accountability is valued, trouble is on the horizon. Make sure that when you hand out a project or that people are involved in things, that you hold them accountable for getting those things done. Because again, even though they're responsible for this and the accountability comes with that responsibility, overall, you as a formal leader are formally accountable for everything. And because of that, you have to hold people accountable when you're asking them to get things done and how they're doing things and where it's coming from and what the outcome should look like. Make sure that you do that. You need to have empathy. So as part of my formal education, I have a graduate degree in counseling, mental health counseling, in a clinical environment. My mentor said, when you talk about empathy, never say that someone is empathetic because the word pathetic is in there 
And subconsciously, your mind is going to absorb that and turn it into something not so good. So I never say, be empathetic. I always say, it's best to show empathy. And what does that mean? You have to understand or acknowledge what things people are going through professionally and personally, both in and outside of the workplace. So you understand that how that affects them. And when you truly make an effort to do that, people will understand that you truly care about them. This could be anything from childcare issues to medical issues to single car household issues. You have to understand that someone may be struggling for whatever reason and they're doing the best they can to get to work and do a great job and do great things and they need just a little tiny bit of support and you'll give that to them if you show empathy and understand that humans have human struggles. One thing that I've learned over the years is that if you show empathy and understanding and listen to someone when they're struggling, they will pay you back a thousand times down the road when they get everything straightened out. They will go out of their way to make sure that you're taken care of as a leader because when they need it at most, you help them. And most importantly, you didn't judge them. Two times in my career, I struggled with some personal things. Uh, when I was younger, what it was is really not important, but two different times I had some personal struggles. And I'm a very private person, so I would not disclose these things. But my supervisor knew that I was struggling with some personal things. Now, instead of asking me what this person could do to help, they called me in and said, your personal stuff is affecting your work. You better straighten that out or else you're not going to have a job. Do you think that helped me or hurt me at that time? Because when I walked out of that office, I knew for sure that this is not a place where I want to work because up to this point, I had done fantastic things, had gone out of my way, had been a super high performer. And one time when I struggled, and I told you it happened with two different supervisors, two different times in my career, where I was called in the office and said, your personal thing, even though it's not illegal or immoral or anything like that, but don't you ever come in here and say that you need to take a little extra time with your family to solve these problems because you should be solving that in your own time. I can't tell you how negatively impactful that was. Now, on the other hand, everybody has more than one or two struggles in their life. I had a couple of their personal things popped up over time and I had supervisors who went out of their way to support me during that time to make sure that I had someone to talk to, that they would support me, do everything that I could to make sure that I got through it so I could get back on track and make sure that everything with work, my personal life and everything was okay. Those people are still around and now I go out of my way whenever they're struggling with something. Now it's not personal. I mean, this could be work issues because we work in this big giant organization and these people have moved up and are senior folks now. So I'm involved in a lot of the wheels that turn in my organization. Whenever I hear those two names, whenever there's a thing, I jump in, I help out where I can, I make sure that everybody has the tools to get the job done, and I make sure that whatever they need is taken care of. And you know why? Because 20 years ago, when I was struggling with this thing, they came to me and said, we're going to help you get through it. I haven't even told them that when they had these other issues, 
that I'm going out of my way to help them. You know, maybe I should, maybe I should reach out to them and tell them, hey, because I have done that with some people recently. I've gone to them and I said, I like you, not because of the senior position that you're holding now, but I like you because of the way that you treated me 20 years ago. And because of that, I'll always make sure that I do everything I can to make you successful. And that leads me into showing gratitude. Make sure, or you should, go out of your way to tell people when they do things that help you and how it impacts you. You can formulate it any way you want, but what I do is I tell them, this thing that you did on this day impacted me this way, and this is how it made me feel. So they know what it was, when it was, and how it impacted me. And I make sure that I do these things timely. And I haven't always done it right. Sometimes it's taken me a while, or I've had to reflect, or kind of look back, or I've missed a block. And those are sometimes the people that say, hey, I respect you because what you did for me 20 years ago. Should have done that a lot sooner. I wasn't ready to do it. I didn't recognize the impact that those things had. And another thing you should pay attention to is about how impactful these are. I mean, I'm talking about things that happened 20 years ago. Take a look back at your own history and decide, are there things that people did that helped you out at a time that was, a, that was at a crossroads for you personally and professionally that helped you go down a path to make things better for you, your family, your company, your organization? I think there may be a few things that now, as you've moved forward, you look back and decide, like, those are great things. Last couple things. Mistakes happen. People make mistakes. Normal people make mistakes. I mean, all people make mistakes. People who make mistakes don't lie about them when they're honest mistakes. So create an environment where accepting failure is accepted. Trying things out, testing things out, that's part of the process of learning how to do things better. Look around your home, look anywhere. Every piece of technology that you're using had been failed about a thousand million times before. And the piece of technology that you're using today is because a lot of people messed things up, blew things up, caught things on fire. I mean, heck, look at every aircraft that we have. How many people gave their lives testing those things so that we can get from LA to New York in four hours with a drink in our hand? Lots of failure has happened to make things better. You have to create an environment where people are going to try hard. And sometimes when you're trying hard, they're trying new things, innovative procedures and techniques where they're going to make a mistake. Just accept that. Ask them what they learned from. Ask them to share with the team what they learned from their mistake. Again, if you have that environment where that's normal, they'll already do that. They'll tell everybody, you know, proactively, they'll raise their hand in the staff meeting like, I had a tough week. I was working on this. Guess what? Caught on fire. It was not good. It's all about being optimistic, right? It's all about creating an environment where people want to do well. Finally, when things are going great, memorialize it. Some type of celebration. There are things that you can do as a leader to celebrate when things go well. Whenever I had any type of award winner that came out of the office, I always made sure that the person in the team knew that even though this was an individual award, that it was because of the efforts and the support of everyone on the team that allowed it to happen. And we would celebrate those awards with the person and as a team. 
This can mean anything. Taking some time off, taking an afternoon off, hanging out. Give, you have to decide what that means to celebrate. But do at least a little something, you know, publicly in the office. Right? Handwrite a note. Send a note to the family of the person that did something good and say, hey, I know that the things that you're doing at home are helping this person get to where they're at. Those things are hugely impactful. Make sure that everyone along the way, especially even the award winner or the person that you're celebrating, knows that, hey, it takes a lot of people to get to where you're at. You didn't get here all by yourself. However, that award has your name on it. You should be very proud of that. And 20 years or 30 years from now, when you're sitting at home and your legs are up on the, you know, the stool and you're reading the electronic version of whatever paper copy we have now, and you look up on the mantle and you see that thing, that award that we're talking about, like I want them to have a good feeling and look at that and be like, that was a great day. That was a day that I value. And why do I value it? Because we did something great. I just happened to be the one to get recognized about it. And I missed those days with that team. Taking care of people, being a leader, ensuring that people have a good work environment and inspiring those around you are key things that are needed from you as a leader. Wraps up today's podcast. Thanks for listening and providing input to today's topic. You can reach out to me at 180mentoring.com and 180mentoring at gmail.com. I'm Terry Krebs and I'm the host of 180 Mentoring. I'll look forward to talking with you soon.